Fables 113 to 117 of Cobwebs from an Empty Skull. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Dion Gines, Salt Lake City, Utah. Cobwebs from an Empty Skull by Ambrose Bierce. Fables 113 to 117. Fable 113 a hare pursued by a dog sought sanctuary in the den of a wolf it being after business hours the latter was at home to him ah panted the hare how very fortunate i feel quite safe here for you dislike dogs quite as much as i do your security my small friend replied the wolf depends not upon those points in which you and i agree but upon those in which i and the dog differ then you mean to eat me inquired the timorous puss no drawled the wolf reflectively i should not like to promise that i mean to eat a part of you there may be a tuft of fur and a toenail or two left for you to go on with i am hungry but i am not hoggish the distinction is too fine for me said the hare scratching her head that my friend is because you have not made a practice of hair splitting i have fable one hundred fourteen oyster at home inquired a monkey rapping at the closed shell there was no reply dropping the knocker he laid hold of the bell handle ringing a loud peal but without effect hum hum he mused with a look of disappointment gone to the seaside i suppose so he turned away thinking he would call again later in the season but he had not proceeded far before he conceived a brilliant idea perhaps there had been a suicide or a murder he would go back and force the door by way of doing so he obtained a large stone and smashed in the roof there had been no murder to justify such audacity so he committed one the funeral was gorgeous there were mute oysters with wands drunken oysters with scarves and hat-bands a sable hearse with hearth-dusters on it a swindling undertaker's bill and all the accessories of a first-rate churchyard circus everything necessary but the corpse that had been disposed of by the monkey and the undertaker merely withheld the use of his own moral a lamb fold in march makes the best pork when his horns have attained the length of an inch fable one hundred fifteen pray walk into my parlor said the spider to the fly that is not quite original the latter made reply if that's the way you plagiarize your fame will be a fib but i'll walk into your parlor while i pitch into your crib but before i cross your threshold sir if i may make so free pray let me introduce you to my friend the wicked flea how do you do says the spider as his welcome he extends how doth the busy little bee and all our other friends quite well i think and quite unchanged the flea said though i learn in certain quarters well informed tis feared the worm will turn humph said the fly i do not understand this talk not i it is classical illusion said the spider to the fly fable one hundred sixteen a polar bear navigating the mid-sea 
upon the mortal part of a late lamented walrus soliloquized in substance as follows such liberty of action as i am afflicted with is enough to embarrass any bear that ever bore i can remain passive and starve or i can devour my ship and drown i am really unable to decide so he sat down to think it over he considered the question in all its aspects until he grew quite thin turned it over and over in his mind until he was too weak to sit up meditated upon it with a constantly decreasing pulse a rapidly failing respiration but he could not make up his mind and finally expired without having come to a decision it appears to me he might almost as well have chosen starvation at a venture fable one hundred seventeen a swordfish having penetrated seven or eight feet into the bottom of a ship under the impression that he was quarrelling with a whale was unable to draw out of the fight the sailors annoyed him a good deal by pounding with handspikes upon that portion of his horn inside but he bore it as bravely as he could putting the best possible face upon the matter until he saw a shark swimming by of whom he inquired the probable destination of the ship italy i think said the other grinning i have private reasons for believing her cargo consists mainly of consumptives ah exclaimed the captive italy delightful clime of the cerulean orange the rosy olive land of the night-blooming jesuit and the fragrant lazzarone it would be heavenly to run down gondolas in the streets of venice i must go to italy indeed you must said the shark darting suddenly aft where he caught the gleam of shotted canvas through the blue waters but it was fated to be otherwise some days afterwards the ship and fish passed over a sunken rock which almost grazed the keel then the two parted company with mutual expressions of tender regard and a report which could be traced by those on board to no trustworthy source the foregoing fable shows that a man of good behavior need not care for money and vice versa end of fables one hundred thirteen to one hundred seventeen